you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I have a copy of God's Word. I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 6. I'm going to cover a lot of Scripture this morning. I'm not going to so much preach all of this text, but we will read it all and pull out four lessons. You'll notice in your notes, your handout, that there is a lot of Scripture before we ever get to the four points that I want to make this morning, but the title of our message this morning is God Said, Noah Did, talking about obedience. As a parent or a grandparent, we want our kids and our grandkids to obey us, don't we? We want them to mind us. We want them to listen. We want them to, to heed what we say. But all of us have had the experience of giving our kids or grandkids a task or a chore, and immediately they want to follow up with this question, and you probably know what it is, and it's, why? And you've probably tried to explain why and give them the details of why you want them to do it, and if your children are anything like mine, they can be persistent. Because your explanation sometimes isn't sufficient. And eventually you can grow frustrated and you can get a little agitated with their persistence of why, and eventually your response turns into something like this. Do it because I said so. Amen? Just do it because I said so. Well, when it comes to God, He wants us to be obedient, doesn't He? And when we read His Word, we find instructions, we find commandments, and we also believe that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and He directs us, and He guides us, and He gives us promptings, and He gives us nudges. But if we'll be honest, we can act just like our kids and our grandkids when it comes to obeying God and following the leading of the Holy Spirit. God can guide us and God can instruct us and God can give us commandments and we do exactly what they do and we say, God, why? Can somebody say amen? Just like our kids and grandkids, we struggle with obedience. We struggle at times with obeying God, listening to Him and doing what God wants us to do. But in our text this morning, in our passage that we're going to study, I find a man by the name of Noah who didn't have a problem obeying God. In fact, twice in the passage we're going to find that Noah did all that God commanded him to do. And so this morning I want to give you four lessons about obedience from the life of Noah. But before we do that, I want to look at the text and give you some background so that you understand what Noah is facing as he obeyed God. Look at verse 9 of chapter 6. It says, These are the records of the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. In this verse, we see the character of Noah. He was righteous, meaning he had a right standing with God. He was blameless, literally, literally meaning that he was complete or upright. In other words, he was a man of integrity. He was a man of honest report among his contemporaries. He walked with God. This doesn't mean that he was perfect but he was consistent in his walk with God. We see how he responded 
After the, uh, after the flood, if you'll go to Genesis chapter 9, you don't have to turn there, but he planted a vineyard, he took of the, the grapes of the wine, he drunk and he lay naked in his tent. So Noah was not a perfect man, but he was an upright man. He walked with God. He still needed God's grace. He still needed God's mercy. He still needed God's forgiveness. However, he believed in God and he followed God. And let me just say, I'm glad that God uses imperfect people. Amen? If it took perfect people to get God's will done, God's will would never get done. Amen? Because just look at me, I'm not a perfect man, but God still uses me by His grace and His mercy. Look at verse 10. Noah became the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah was a father. He had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Noah raised his family to follow God after he built the ark and it was time for the flood to come. His family went on the ark with him. So he raised a godly family in an ungodly society. In verse 11 and 12 we read, The earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence. God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. This is the condition of the world in which Noah lived. It was corrupt and filled with violence, and according to verse 5, the intents and thoughts of men's heart was evil continually. Humanity could only do evil. Wicked and sin was on the rise, and day after day it was getting worse. But Noah was a godly man. He was living a sanctified life in a sinful society. Now let's look at verse 13 down to chapter 7, verse 5. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them, and behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms, and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300, and 300 cubits. That's 450 feet. That's one and a half football fields. If you want to know it by today's standards. Its breadth, 50 cubits. That's 75 feet wide. And its height, 30 cubits. That's 45 feet tall. That's about a four-story house. That's how tall it was. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind, and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, and gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Now notice verse 22. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Enter the ark, you and all your household, for you alone I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. You shall take with you of every clean animal by sevens a male and his female, and of the animals that are not clean too, a male and his female. Also of the birds of the sky by sevens, male and female, to keep offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For after seven more days I will send rain on the earth forty days and forty nights, and I will blot out from the face of the land every living thing that I have made. Now look at verse 5 here. Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. 
In these verses, we see God's plan for the ark. We see God's plan for Noah's family and for the animals. God gives Noah detailed instructions about how to build the ark, how to gather the animals, how to gather food for them to live while on the ark during the flood. And you'll notice there twice in the verses it says, Noah did according to all that God had commanded him. Chapter 6, verse 22, and chapter 7, verse 5. Noah not only was a godly man and a righteous man living in an ungodly society, Noah was an obedient man. He completed everything that God told him to do. He didn't leave anything undone. He knew what the plan was and he followed it to the letter. So let's look at some lessons on obedience. Four things that we can take away about obedience. Number one, to obey God, we must know what God wants. To obey God, we must know what God wants. That's pretty plain, isn't it? That's pretty self-explanatory. We can't obey what we don't know. We can't follow instructions that we don't have. Right? You can't do what you don't know. You can't follow through on instructions that you do not have. So here's the question. How do we find out what God wants us to do? We do what Noah did. We walk with God. Pretty simple. And here's the thing. When you walk with God, God will talk with you just like He talked with Noah. In verse 13, it says that God said to Noah, In other words, Noah walked with God and Noah heard from God. Hebrews 11 and 7 tells us that Noah was warned by God of things to come. Hear me, you can write this down in your notes. If you will get to know God, you will get to know His will. If you will get to know God, you will get to know His will. In other words, if you will spend time with God and His Word, knowing what He wants will become easier. You see, here's what people say. Pastor, I don't know what God wants me to do. I don't know the will of God for my life. Well, here's the thing. If you will walk with God, God will talk with you. If you will walk with God, God will give you the details for your life. If you will walk with God, God will order your steps and God will guide you and God will instruct with you. In fact, let me say this. It's hard to hear from God if your Bible is always closed. But if you open this book, God will speak to you when you read the Word from its pages. Because this is how God talks to us 99% of the time. Just open the book, read the words on these pages, and God will start talking, and God will start speaking, and you'll know what His will is for your life. You want to know what God wants you to do? Read the book. Amen? That's how you know what God wants you to do. Read the book. Walk with Him. Day after day, just get in the book. Walk with God consistently, faithfully, and God will instruct you and guide you all the days of your life. But here's the second lesson we take away from the life of Noah. Obedience isn't always easy. Noah was told to build a big boat in a place where there was no water. And at a time when they'd never seen rain before. Water was probably, the nearest body of water was probably 500 miles away. And I believe according to Scripture, it had never rained on the earth at this time. Noah probably looked foolish. 
And he probably sounded foolish preaching that God was going to destroy the world with a flood. But he kept building, he kept witnessing, he kept working. Hear what I'm about to say. What God asks us to do doesn't always make sense. Obeying God may not always look normal to other people. Think about the walls of Jericho when they fell. It's not normal to walk around walls and think they're going to fall. Is it? But for six days, walk around them once and don't say anything. And on the seventh day, walk around them seven times. And on the seventh time, blow the trumpet and give a shout and the walls are going to fall. That's not a great military strategy. But it worked. Gideon, you've got too many men. So tell all of those that are afraid to go on home. And Gideon's left with about 10,000 men. And God says, Gideon, you've still got too many. God, what are you doing? Tell everybody that's left to go down to the water and get something to drink. And only those that picked up the water with their hands and drunk out of that, those who you're taking. And only 300 were left. Gideon, that's who you're going to defeat the Midianites with. And here's going to be the battle plan, Gideon. You're going to divide them up into three companies, three groups. You're going to give them a trumpet and a little clay pitcher and put a torch inside of it. You're going to spread them around the camp. And when you give the command, they're going to break that clay pitcher with that torch inside of it. They're going to blow the trumpet. That's the battle plan, Gideon. And when he follows that plan, the Midianites turn on each other. Sounds foolish. Sounds like nonsense. But when you obey God, it's the best thing you can do. Amen. Why? Because His ways are not our ways. And His thoughts are not our thoughts. God doesn't operate like we operate. God doesn't think like we think. It might look foolish to everybody else, but I promise you, if you'll obey God, it's the best thing that you'll ever do. It may not be easy. It may look foolish. It may look ignorant. People may scoff. People may ridicule. People may come against you and say, hey, why are you doing that? But I promise you, obeying God will be the best thing that you ever do. It may not always be easy, but I promise you, just obey God and God will fulfill His Word and God will come through time and time and time again. Just obey God. I'm sure there were days when Noah got discouraged. I'm sure there were days when he got frustrated. I'm sure there were days he probably felt like throwing up his hand and saying, hey, I'm out here working. I'm out here building. I'm out here preaching and nobody's responding. Think about it. After 120 years, the only people who got on the boat with him was his wife, his sons, and their three wives. That's all he had to show for it. But he obeyed God anyways. But when the rain began to fall, when the flood waters began to rise, he was saved because he obeyed God. Amen? 
Listen, if you'll just be faithful, if you'll just be consistent, if you'll just stay committed, there's a payday coming if you'll obey God. Amen? Which leads me to a third thing. Obedience can't be delayed. Noah was told to build an ark, and he started building the ark. He could have put it off, he could have procrastinated, but he didn't. I don't see in the passage where he debated with God. I don't see where he discussed it with God. The text says he did according to all that God had commanded him. Noah knew that God meant business and he took God at his word and he obeyed immediately. Hear me and hear me well. Obedience can't be delayed. Obedience can't be put off till tomorrow. If God gives you an instruction, if God says this is what you want to do, you need to do it. Hear me. If you know what God wants you to do, you should do it. We shouldn't put it off until some other day. We shouldn't put it off until tomorrow. Think about this. If Noah had delayed in building in the ark, he wouldn't have been prepared when the flood came. Earlier in Genesis chapter 6, it says, Their days shall be a hundred and twenty years. I take that to mean God was giving them a hundred and twenty years to get right. Meaning, Noah, you've got 120 years to get this thing done. And had Noah laid around and said, I'm just going to wait, I don't think Noah had been ready. He had to get busy. He had to start. He had to go to work. You see, when God gives you something to do, you've got to go to work. Now, I understand that there are times of waiting, there are seasons of waiting until God opens the right door. But when moments of opportunity come, you can't wait too long. When God opens a door of witness for you, you better obey then. Because if a door shuts, it may not open again. You have to obey when it's time to obey. It can't be Delay. If Noah had delayed in his obedience, it's possible that he could have perished just like everybody else. Think about it. Delayed obedience can be costly. In fact, delayed obedience can be disobedience. If God gives you an instruction, if God gives you a command, if the Holy Spirit prompts you and leads you and nudges you and you shake it off, it's disobedience. And here's what some of you thinking. Well, pastor, I want to make sure it's God. And I understand that. I don't want to do something, pastor, that's not from God. I understand completely. But if you're walking with God as you should, you'll know when it's God and when it's not God. Amen? But let me just help you for a moment. If it contradicts this book, it's not God. That's why you've got to know this book. If it's going to hurt somebody, it's not God. And by the way, Satan isn't going to lead you to do something good for somebody. Satan's not going to lead you to be a blessing to somebody. 
Satan's not going to tell you to go pray for somebody or witness to somebody. Amen? We come up with all kinds of excuses to get out of obeying God. We blame it, oh, I'm just waiting on God. And I wonder how many times God sits there and shakes His head thinking, why do they keep blaming this on me when, I, when they know what I've told them to do? We use waiting on God as a cop-out for obedience. Amen. If we will live our lives according to God's Word, we will have so much to obey that everything else will happen naturally. Listen, this book shows us what to do. And if you'll spend so much time doing this, you won't have to worry about everything else. It just happens. Amen. Which leads me to the fourth lesson. We're moving along. Obedience must be complete. Go back to Genesis chapter 6, verse 14 to 16. Make for yourself an ark of gopher wood. You shall make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark and finish it to a cubit from the top and set the door of the ark in the side of it. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. Go to verse 19 to 22. And of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds after their kind and of the animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the ground after its kind, two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. As for you, take for yourself some of all food which is edible, gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God had commanded him, so he did. And then chapter 7, verse 5, Noah did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was given detailed plans, detailed instructions. He was told how big the ark was to be built. What kind of wood to build it out of. How the animals are to be brought on the ark. The food, how it's to be gathered. And you see twice, Noah did all that God commanded him. He didn't say Noah did some of what God commanded him. He did all that God commanded him. It is implied from those two verses that Noah didn't leave anything undone. In other words, he did everything exactly as God told him. He got the right wood. He got the right dimensions. He got the right animals. He got the right amount of food. His obedience was complete. His obedience was absolute. Everything was done according to God's plan and God's specifics. Noah didn't cut corners. He didn't take shortcuts. He obeyed completely. He didn't obey some of what God said and leave the rest out. He fully and completely obeyed God. God wants total obedience from His people. 
John 14, 15, Jesus says this, If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. If you have a red letter edition of your Bible, those words are in red. If you love Me, you will keep My commandments. And I put this in my notes, I wrote it down. Our level of obedience demonstrates our level of love. And think about it. We can say we love Him, but if we don't do what He wants of us, do we really love Him? Because here's the thing, our children can say, Daddy, Mommy, I love you. But if they're not willing to heed what we ask of them, are they really loving us? First John 2, verse 3 and 4. Listen to what John says in this. By this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The one who says, I've come to know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar and the truth is not in Him. He goes on to say that if we say we know Him and we're not willing to obey Him, we're a liar. And we don't even have the truth in us. It sounds to me that obedience is important with God. Does it not? And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, 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 I'm not saying that we're saved by obedience, but listen. If you're saying you're saved and you never do anything for God to demonstrate that you're saved and demonstrate that you love Him, And maybe you need to check your salvation and your walk with Him. Because if you know Him, you'll want to serve Him. And your love for Him will be demonstrated in how you walk it out by what you do. Because listen, being saved is not just sitting on the church people on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. Oh, I felt that come back. <laughs> but that's what we've made it in here in America. As long as you go to church and pay your tithes, you can be a Christian. Not according to this book I read. There are going to be people who go to church every week pay tithes. They're going to end up in hell. There's going to be preachers who stand behind pulpits every week who end up in hell. Listen, I'm all for grace and being saved by grace, but grace don't mean you can be lazy. 
And I know that just offended some of you. Listen, grace don't mean you can just sit back and coast your way to heaven. Because when you get to heaven, you're not just going to lay on the cloud and play a harp and sing worship music. We're going to work and serve in heaven. Not just going to be the sweet by and by pie in the sky and gather around the throne for eternity. We're going to work and serve in heaven. Listen, and what you do down here on the earth determines the level you get to serve in heaven. Our obedience to God is to be complete. We're to live under the full authority of God's Word. We aren't supposed to pick and choose what we won't obey. And we can't partially obey God. And let's be honest, we've all been guilty of that, haven't we? I'll do some of what God wants me to do. But partial obedience is disobedience. To not fully obey is to disobey. Saul, in 1 Samuel 15, he was to destroy the Amalekites. Get rid of everything is what Samuel told him. And he didn't do it. Let's look at it. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 3. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has. Do not spare him, but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. Isn't that pretty plain? Destroy all that he has. Utterly destroy Woman, child, man, everything. Pretty plain, isn't it? What's the next verse? Verse 13 and 23. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. Listen, I have carried out the command of the Lord. But Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen which I hear? Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites where the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, wait and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak. Samuel said, is it not true? Though you are little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? Then Saul said to Samuel, I find this fascinating, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of, of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. Now notice how he switches it to the people. He switches blame. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choices of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. 
For rebellion is as the sin of divination, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. God said, go destroy everything. Samuel comes and says, why didn't you do what God told you to do? Saul says, I have obeyed the Lord. We've kept the best sheep so we can make sacrifice to God. Doesn't God want to be worshipped? Doesn't God want to be sacrificed? Saul thought he had a good plan. Samuel says, obedience is better than sacrifice. Meaning God wants total obedience. That God is more concerned with your obedience and your sincerity and fully following through than He is your offering of a sacrifice on an altar. He partially obeyed. Meaning He disobeyed. And rebellion is as the sin of divination. You've got a King James that says as witchcraft. That's how bad disobedience and rebellion and insubordination is in the sight of God. It's as though you practice witchcraft and sorcery when you don't fully follow God in obedience. And notice what it says. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you from being king. When you reject God and what He says in His word, it's as though you're rejecting God Himself. And if you're here today and you're saying, it seems like God's fighting against me and fighting against what I'm doing and God is opposing me and nothing's going right, nothing's working out in my favor, it could be because you've rejected what God said do and God's fighting against you. Because you disobey what God told you. And when you reject what God has said, God will not bless what you're trying to do on your own. When you reject God's commands, you're rejecting His authority over your life. And that's what Saul did. He rejected God's authority. If you won't live under God's authority, you're going to live under somebody else's authority. God wants our complete obedience. Listen, God doesn't want your good intentions. Well, God, I meant to do this, and God, you know my heart. God doesn't want your good intentions. God wants your obedience. Well, God, if I wasn't so afraid, I I, I would step out. God wants you to obey. In closing, God wants us to obey Him sincerely and wholeheartedly. And the truth is, 
We all know what we should do more than what we're actually doing. The reality is we don't need more preaching about what we ought to do. We know what to do. It's time to apply what we know. Amen? If you read the Bible at all, you know what God expects of you. I know what God expects of me. And here's the thing, one day we're going to be held accountable for what we've done. Again, this isn't a salvation issue. We aren't saved by our works. We aren't saved by our obedience. But salvation should motivate us to obey God. Our, let me explain it this way. Our belief in Jesus determines that we go to heaven. We're saved by grace through faith. But our behavior and our obedience to Him determines how we spend eternity in heaven. Does that make sense? Our belief in Him determines we go to heaven, but our behavior and our obedience will determine how we spend eternity in heaven. In other words, our obedience determines the rewards we receive in heaven. And the Bible teaches that there are degrees of rewards in heaven. Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of His Father with His angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds. Revelation 22, 12, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Hear me. I want to be as faithful and obedient as possible. I want to have something to show for my life when I get to heaven. You may not, I do. I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear you wicked, lazy servant. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. So this morning, if you had to rate your obedience to God on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself? I don't think anybody could here could really rate themselves that high, could we? I don't think anybody here at Alonis could say, I'm going to give myself a 10, Pastor. I, I, I would hope not. I wouldn't. And all honesty, I don't think anybody here would want to go as high as an 8 or even a 9. The reality is, the truth is, we've all got room for improvement, don't we? We all know more than what we're actually doing. But could you imagine what would happen if we did our best to read this book every day and then lived it? I know there would be opposition. I know there would be persecution. But could you imagine probably the revival that would come and the lives that would be changed if we would daily just read something from this book and say, God, speak to me and God, lead me and now help me to do something. And then we got up from our knees, we got up from our time with Him and then said, God, I'm going to go do what you spoke to me. Imagine what would happen if we were obedient. The impact we could have on our families, our community, our society, if we were obedient, if we did what God said. I want you to stand with me all over the house.